Before we get started, I wanted to make a quick note. As you probably have seen or heard on this podcast, we have started at 55.1 a Patreon or Patreon, no one knows how to say it, uh, campaign for the website. Basically, it is an NPR style uh, you know, contribute a couple dollars every month. It's basically to support the writers. We have a lot of writers working on our team, copy editors. Uh, we want to do more trips and actually cover uh, away games, cover things like we did with the Super Draft. And this is one of the ways that we can start paying for that and start actually growing what we do. I'd encourage you to go to the bottom of the posts on 55.1, commit to a few dollars a month, and all of that goes really far to helping us. Thank you to everyone who's already supported so far. Uh, it makes a lot easier to do what we do. Thanks. From St. Paul, Minnesota, you are listening to the 55-1 podcast. Well, now. Do you know who that is? Mm. That was supposed to be our guest tonight. That was my Andrew Weeby. That, oh, okay. But it would have had to have been a shape, like not the octagon, but like the... Uh, welcome to the uh, basement lounge. I don't know. I don't know what we call this place. Uh, my name's Westberdine. <laughs> Hey, who's this guy? Hey, Jeff Ruder, hey, you are in the Ruder's room with here. me. Yeah. And uh, on the phone, we've got Alex Schieferdecker. Hey, Alex. Hey, guys. How are you, man? I am pretty good. I'm now. Now I know who I'm filling in for. It's a high, high bar to to, to jump over. Well, we had we had while Andrew Weeby was in town uh, writing about the team, we had uh, tried to steal some of his time, and then uh, it turns out that he uh, he's way too busy and cool for us. So. Uh, we'll remember that, Andrew. And we no, um, we had a really great time uh, meeting him, catching up with him, and, and talking to him about soccer. Uh, and that is always a blast. We couldn't get him on the podcast, but we'll get him another time. And uh, and I think you know we have I think a pretty special guest lined up next week. But right now we've got you, and we've got all of us are special guests tonight. So everyone's everyone's a special snowflake on this it means, podcast. It means a lot. Yeah, thanks. Should. Uh, Schieffer Decker, how, how are you? How is your week? Can you tell what, what's Philadelphia like right now? Oh man. Well, we got just after it got really warm over there about a day later, it got very warm out here. And so I got to play pickup soccer outdoors this entire weekend. Uh, and now I'm wait for like sore, 48 hours. It was really fun. You played 48 hours of soccer. Yeah, nonstop. basically. Yep. Yep. Wow. Exactly. Was it for a charity? <laughs> yeah, it should have been. no. No, Sock no, till no. you drop. Yeah. And uh, Jeff, you started a new job today. We won't talk about it, but congratulations on uh, uh, you know further gainful employment in your Thank life. You. Thank it was, you. It was tweeted about online, so, so yes, it's it not was. a secret. I know that we like to keep our lives secret here. Um, okay, well, actual soccer conversation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this week on the podcast, uh, the 55-1 podcast, we've got imp impishness in England. We've got, uh, you know... Failure uh, for the the young U.S. Uh, men's national team, and we've got a pretty close. We are very close to actual season time for Minnesota United FC, plus a whole bunch of other things and, and Twitter questions. Um, so let's do the music from Big Quarters, and then we'll come back in, and we've got the good, the bad, and the weird. 
welcome back to the 51 podcast. My name is Jeff. Sitting across from me is uh, Louis Armstrong himself. And then joining us in Philadelphia, we have John Coltrane here. Uh, so let's go ahead and let's do our weekly whip around called The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. It's where we look at all the things that happened in soccer outside of the great state of Minnesota. And let's start with The Good, um, which are minnows, I suppose, who are beating the whales. Well, not really whales. It's England teams. And, no pun intended now, it's Burnley, so they're not even like that giant of a whale. But yeah, Lincoln City won. Well, we're talking FA Cup, which is, uh, you know, uh, this weekend, Lincoln City, uh, non-league team for the first time in over 100 years. I mean, if you've listened, if you've read the soccer news, you, you've heard at least a big part about this. Uh, it, it's big news, and we won't cover it a ton, but we have to at least uh, give them some credit. You've got the two brothers who are coaches of this team. They used to be... PE teachers, and now they are, uh, you know, they're killing uh, in Premier League teams. And that's, uh, even if it's a, a weak Premier League team, it's that's incredible. Yeah. Shield. And then today, you know, on Monday, Sutton United went up against Arsenal. And the big thing today, you know, this was the big thing ended up being just their big backup goalkeeper, who's just a large, large man and uh, possibly mm. broke some rules by eating a pie. And he was at, like, the the concourse bar at pub, I suppose they call it, at halftime getting a beer with fans. So, uh, living big here. But it did prompt a question, actually, from Dan Wade at D. Wade. Not that D. Wade, though. Um, Don't think we have enough info to answer this yet. Well, we'll find a way. But I wonder which loon is most likely to eat a pie during a game. I'm going to assume that's not code. Um, Who's most likely, do you think? Alex, do you have a nominee? Well, my mind immediately leapt to the usual suspects in the NASL uh, in the past days. Um, but none of them are on the team. These, uh, yeah, right Etienne now. Barbaro is not a loon, and that's exactly <laughs> where my mind went to. Yeah, yeah, sure, Shane Hill or Eric Hasley. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric Hasley was. Yeah, hmm. Who, who is... Uh, uh, there sorry. were some nominees for Ibsen, but I think that I think that Ibsen's getting a bad rap. Or actually, there were nominees for Ibsen ordering Fogo de Chao. Uh, and eating it on the bench. I, I think, uh, again, this is a, an old player. My my imagination also went to Johnny Steele hung over on the bench, just his head lulled against a, a you know a, a board or something like that, and just eating a pie to to work off, and and also taking a swig of some of a Bloody Mary. But um, I, do you, Jeff? Do you, anyone? Um, I'm going to say not a player, but I think Marius Ravdi would be likely just to be sitting back, enjoying a clean sheet halfway through the match while eating a pie. That's something I could see happen. Yeah, I imagine he he would, like, open a can of sardines or something like that. Sure, I could see that, or maybe, like, a sardine pie. Lutefisk, exactly. The the bad this week is the U.S. men's national team, the the under-20s, starting the... uh, It's the CONCACAF tournament that will put people into the U-20s World Cup... And they started it off with a loss to 10-man Panama. Um, I didn't watch this. Uh, so can can someone fill me in on, on more of the details? Um, I didn't watch it either, but the reaction was was pretty dire. The people who who were watching it seemed to... The, what, I, what I heard, basically, was that the game was, was really terrible. And, I, I mean... This is a game we should be winning every time. I think that 
I, I don't know. I know Tab Ramos gets a lot of flack from people, and I think that the results of this team, when you look at the players on it, a lot of them have professional experience. There are some good players on this team, even if players like Jackson Ewell and Mukwele Akali aren't on this team. There are good players in this roster. They should be doing a lot better than a, a dreary loss to Panama. Yeah, I mean, for we've said it for how long we, our our youth have been underachieving. Whether that's not getting to these World Cups, that you know, it, it's uh, or to the Olympics for that matter, right? With the U twenty threes every so, time now. Uh, I don't know if that that's something that is beyond beyond my level of of knowledge, but it it was worth at least noting so that we can all be depressed. Let's move on to the weird, which is Chan Yung Ting who is a former player who manages the Eastern, Eastern Sports Club in Hong Kong Premier League. She's going to be the first woman to coach a men's club in a continental competition when they play against Guangzhou Evergrande this Wednesday. So they're in the um, Asian Champions, uh, Asian League. Champions uh, League. Yep, And they're playing Guangzhou on Wednesday. She basically in her first year in 2015 only lost one game and... They won won the title to get into this year's uh, Champions League. So I I saw this news and I thought it was uh, weird, but also awesome. So it's a good kind of weird. And then we're going to move on to a segment that actually uh, we're going to introduce this week. I don't know if we'll actually keep this up. <laughs> I didn't know this, but yeah. We've introduced the Nagby Nugget, which has fallen through tremendously. We've had, I think, one or two other things. And now the newest one is Keeping Up with the Kenwin Joneses. Um, which is a little bit wordy. We might have chopped that down, but it's our Atlanta United update because we can't talk about Minnesota United without Atlanta United side by side or vice versa. I mean, you're you're literally the only one who who believes that, but mm, articles, man. Okay. If you read it, it's always <laughs> one side okay. by side. All right. Okay. Um, Atlanta lost to Columbus in preseason. Uh, it was it was pretty even for the first forty five minutes. Miguel Amiron looked phenomenal, um, sharp on the ball when he had it. Um, exactly as advertised, but then it was right about the 45-minute mark where Atlanta just kind of fell apart, and Columbus had all the momentum. They looked fitter. They just looked better, Um, and it's a very different kind of preseason, Alex, compared to the one that Minnesota United is having. Yeah, I think that the I think Atlanta's kind of funny. I I, I think that this is might work to our, our advantage in the second week of the season because it's I don't know. We'll see how it turns out. But I have to question Atlanta's preparation. There, we we are playing uh, seven, uh, maybe eight preseason games if you count this this Wisconsin game that no one knew about. Um, Atlanta's playing four, and one of them was against a semi-pro team, Chattanooga, which had just college kids who had just gotten together um, the day before. So that might be even worse than playing an established. Uh, an established college team. And uh, to me, I mean, watching that Columbus game, they didn't look fit. They didn't look together. They didn't look cohesive. I think they will struggle out of the gate. I think that they have enough quality to succeed in the long term. Uh, Don't get me wrong. But I think that at the very beginning of the season, they look behind to me. Well, they they look, hear the second week. The second week, they're here, so right, that'll, that that'll it work works nice really well for us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I just—I mean—they—they they look worse than we did. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and they're I, they're first showing against MLS competition. I mean, they lost two one to Columbus, but it could have been worse. It really could have been worse. Columbus were 
much better. Much, all, much better. All I'll say is that if Atlanta United is indeed going to fulfill the prophecy of the comment section and win MLS Cup, they're going to have to beat MLS teams. And so I think that's going to be something to keep your eye on throughout the season is, will they just have the cup handed to that's them? That's a big prediction. <laughs> it's big if true, you know, but they will have to beat someone in the league, actually more than just one team, in order to win the cup. I'm just, that's my theory. We'll see if it happens. Wes, right. do you have any other thoughts on... No, I I did I, I did have only a, a couple of passing comments. One was uh, there was that great uh, gif of Chicago Fire uh, with this amazing passing, you know, like twelve pass run, just hot knife through butter uh, attack in preseason against my was it Miami FC? I just yeah, saw it was Miami. So yeah, uh, I mean it was it, people were praising it as just genius, but it was also like. No one was like it was probably the worst to. I mean, it was Alex. You you being the one who's talked the most about Miami's terrible defending. It was hilariously bad defending. I mean, yeah, it, it was pretty it bad. It was like watching. It was Harlem Globetrotters uh, bad. So yeah, uh, I just that cracked me up. Like people were people were kind of. I mean, it was sure it was good passing, but <laughs> you were playing against. Well, I mean, actual traffic cones. Chicago have, have, have basically been the preseason winners for the past two years. I mean, they've had really impressive preseasons last year and this year, and the year before, I'm sorry, and, and, and also won the wooden spoon in both years. So I think that this is just keeping with form. I expect Chicago to have a great preseason and just fall apart immediately as soon as the season starts. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back, and uh, it's it's all Minnesota United time. Welcome back to the 55-1 podcast. We are going to talk Minnesota United here, and it, it feels like it was more than a week ago, but um, maybe that's just my poor judgment of time. But uh, Minnesota United played their third and final match of the Portland Not-So-Simple Invitational, and they completed the sequence. Uh, they started the first match, and they drew it 1-1. Then they got to the second match, and they drew it 2-2. And then they got to this third match against Matt Van Okel's Real Salt Lake, in the, uh, the tri-word pairing of yore, and they drew 3-3. So, uh, progress, right? Yeah, sure. I, I, I mean, let's let's talk about what we saw. Uh, Christian Ramirez had two assists, which was uh, uh, very nice to see. Um, we had goals from... It was uh, Molino had two goals, right? Mm -hmm. Diving header. Third goal was from... Johan. Johan. Oh, yes. You right. don't mess with the Johan. Yeah. Um, and so let's talk about the good things there, uh, the, the goals, the, the particularly the second goal from Molino, which was Christian uh, picks him out with a fantastic assist, and then Molino heads it in. That was beautiful. We, we had a lot of good things coming out of that. W what struck you guys as the positives coming out of that? Well... I mean, the the attack looked amazing. So setting aside the three goals, every time we got on the ball, it looked like something could happen. It looked like we had the ability to score. And the and the two goals we scored, that, that one you described, and the first one, which was a ball we wanted at midfield, quick pass to Christian. He immediately, I think one touch, sprays it out wide to Venegas, 
Johan Venegas, who then crosses it, and Kevin Molino is as open as anyone could possibly be. It was, like, impossible for him to miss from that situation. I mean, we were moving the ball so quickly. The combinations we were playing were absolutely fantastic. The attack looked brilliant. It was really exciting to see. Yeah, I I think it was encouraging. I I know that giving up the, what was it, two goals? Yeah, the two goals to eventually tie and then fall behind up until the last second of the match. Um, In theory, that's disconcerting. But again, it's preseason. We won't remember the results whatsoever, but we'll always have those tasty gifts of um, uh, Molino and Venegas' overlapping passing um, and catching uh, left-back's pants on the ground. And that's that's what I'm really watching the game for in the preseason. Yeah, in in the the goals that were given up, um, you know, two of them in particular, Calvo um, just looked shut off. That's not really worrying to me. Uh, All of these guys have been doing two-a-days and... Um, where, you know, this was their first 90 for, for all of these players, they were shot and that's totally fine. It is, uh, you know, like we said, these previous weeks, it is completely fine for people to look like they're in preseason form for that. They've got uh, another two weeks to, to then kind of, uh, ease into making sure that they're, they're the starting 11 or 90 minutes ready. And that, that is totally fine with, uh, with us. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, when it comes to like what is more difficult to produce with a soccer team, I've always understood that defensive organization is actually more simple to produce than like beautiful attacking combinations. So in preseason, I'm much more happy to see my team playing in the attack in a really fluid way. As far as defense goes, I think that that. Clearly, we still need to work on, but the goals we scored were beautiful. The goals we gave up were pretty scrappy. Um, I think that as fitness improves and as organization improves, uh, that'll get better. But the kind of fluidity in the attack that we had is something I have not seen us have in preseasons past, nor most uh, MLS teams. No kidding. And uh, I, I think it's also incredibly encouraging to see um, the the fact that they could put a goal in after falling behind in the final minutes. And again, I know the results don't matter here, but it does show that if this is a team that can fall behind on a late goal to Chad Barrett, of all people. Mm-hmm. Didn't he have two goals? Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. The, the vasectomy. The double vasectomy. <laughs> um, and <laughs> still have the resolve in a game that, again, we won't remember the result of in a week. Um, still have the resolve to come back and put a goal in right at the final whistle. Um, that says something to me about the the work ethic of players. And then for specifically Johan Venegas in this instance, how much he wants to be a starter because he is one of those guys, one of the, um, as Adrian Heath told me in an interview last week, there are five guys challenging for three spots right now behind the striker. Um, Johan's in the thick of that. And by being able to like, you know, kind of put in that shift and still at the end of the um, at the end of his 90, uh, get a late goal in the fifth minute of stoppage time in a game that doesn't matter. That says something to me about him. Um, and th- any, any, there's uh, other players, uh, apparently were on the, on the pitch. Um, anything to say about other guys? Schuler looked, um, kind of average to me. Um, well, that was, I, that, I, that was, that was one of my takeaways. I wrote about it on 55 one, but that 
with with that uh, roster, we with Ibarra on one side and Molino on the other, and 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 Ramirez and Venegas up top, we did not have a three-man midfield, and I thought that Warner and Schuler struggled a bit to sort of find their footing in that game. Um, I liked the way the attack played so much that I'm very much for keeping basically those entire six players on the on on the field and and having that be our starting lineup, um, but figuring out the balance between defense and offense and where Schuler fits in, I think is pretty key moving forward if if he th- liked that formation as much as I did. And that, that 4-4-2 formation, uh, it may be that that is something that needs to be pulled out in games where we want to avoid that midfield and we want to be a bit more direct. Um, it may be that when we come up against a few a few of those uh, Western Conference teams that do have really tight midfields, can spread that out and and um, go direct. But I I don't know. I, I think that it is nice that we've seen various different arrangements of these players, and none of them have been a failed experiment so far. Um, so I think we'll we'll have to see. Um, One thing I will say too is um, going into this, we were wondering about fullbacks, and it sounds like we might have an answer that isn't the one that we expected. Uh, Alvin Jones has been on trial with Minnesota United for the entirety of the Portland trip, and Minnesota United had acquired an international spot last week, so we assumed um, that we would be signing him. It turns out Minnesota United is on the verge of signing Jerome Thiessen, who is a fullback. He's 29, plays for FC Luzerne right now. He's, uh, I mean, he's complete. He can play right back, left back at equal measure. He can also moonlight a little bit in the central midfield. Um, he's a marked upgrade. He also moonlights as a, um, a mall cop sometimes. Yeah, and, and supplement. Lionel which, Messi impersonator. Yeah, yeah. like and legitimately looks like Lionel Messi. Yeah. It's terrifying. So I think that there's a couple million dollars of marketing money in it. As long as he can just pretend, or he can wear like Argentina kits or Barcelona kits on the street, I think that uh, yeah, Minnesota could really have a, a big marketing boon on their hands. Get that DP DP uh, advertising money without spending the DP cash. Exactly. That's a, that's a brilliant strategy. We'll see if it pays off. But um, again, I, I think that he would be a starter. Um, I did contact yeah. uh, FC Luzern yesterday or two days ago now, and they they did not respond to me. But usually that's either laziness or <laughs> that they don't want to confirm shit for you. So, but um uh, what what is odd about this team now is that I assume that another a left back is coming as well. But as it stands, if you look at that squad, let's say let's say you just swap him in at right back and you keep whatever that 442 lineup is. You have uh three players with MLS experience mm-hmm. and you have only three players who are American, Christian Ibarra and Colin Warner. The rest, oh, you've got Justin Davis too. That's so four. You have a really, I think I said this before uh, on this podcast, but um, MLS, there's a very low success rate for foreign players and for NASL players who are coming up or outside. Just, and so the the one big biggest worry I have about this squad is that you are you are banking on 
beating the success rate, right? I think Schuler's going to be really good. I think that uh, Kadri's going to be really good. I think, et cetera. I think Christian's going to be beat the success. But the fact is, by the odds, one of the uh, at least three or four of those guys. Maybe it's Demidov. Maybe it's Alfie. I, I don't know. Um, and they'll have time to adjust in the summer, but no doubt. But I think you're spot on. You're with that lineup as it's constructed. You're asking for seven or eight different plays within your starting eleven, not even looking at the bench and your depth beyond that to go right. Or you're saying, okay, one or two might be off every game, but we need eighty percent of them to match. And that's it's a it's a risk, you know. I mean, it could be a calculated risk. Maybe you look to mitigate that by who you brought in, the mentality, who's on either side of them on the field, whatever. But yeah, it's not something that we've seen terribly successful. I mean, you look at Seattle, um, Stefan Fry, I mean, he's been, I mean, he, he got a January call up. He's dual national, but you, you look at the defense and I mean, throughout the season, you had guys like Chad Marshall, Brad Evans, um, Zach Scott, who played key roles. You have Christian Roldan, Jordan Morris, Clint Dempsey, um, you know, you have a lot of American based talent in key roles who had MLS experience going into the season. And so I, it's, it's tough to compare the new guys to the re- defending champs. But when you look at what tends to work in major league soccer, it, look, it's a different blueprint than the one that Minnesota is drawing right now. I think, uh, I, th- I, th- I think, I think it's right to say that we have a lot of players who are unproven in MLS, and so that's a risk. I agree with that. I'm not so sure that I would say NASL players or foreign players specifically. I think it's I think the whether or not you succeed in the league is a very individual thing. So far I've seen a lot I've seen really encouraging signs from basically everyone. And I think that the club has in some way attempted to uh, bring the the sort of foreign players into the sort of MLS experience with these preseasons in Arizona, Portland, and Orlando. You know, they they're already going to be used to the kind of travel that happens in North America, and that's often cited as one of the biggest biggest issues. But even if these, you know, even if some of these guys don't pan out. What I've been most encouraged by is the depth that we have behind them. I think Colin Martin is a really good example. He's someone who I didn't expect basically anything from. Um, And in Portland, he was fantastic, I thought. I thought he was one of the standout performers on our team. Um, I thought Ismailia Jome was way better than I expected him to be. Um, I thought that Brent Coleman really stepped up. Uh, so I think that... Yeah, and you've got Joe Greenspan there as well. Right. Which, I'm pretty yeah. happy with our depth. And, and and just to come back to a point, Wes, that you made at the very beginning of, of your comment a few minutes ago, um, you assume an, another fullback is coming. I, that's definitely possible, but I'm pretty satisfied with our options at left back. If Justin Davis doesn't work out, we have Francisco Calvo who can shift over. And I think that Coleman's success so far and the way he's played has made me much more comfortable with that idea, potentially, of playing Calvo on the left and Coleman in central defense uh, if, if, if that's the way it needs to go. Um, I will say if we start 
more than five games with Calvo at left back, I'm going. I will. I will uh, go crazy. Why? He's, I, he's played I think, there I many times. Col- I think that Coleman has done. You are right. I, I last week I talked about how I think that Coleman has has done far better than I expected. But I don't think. I think if Coleman is starting uh, more than ten games this year, I think we're going to be in trouble. And well, I think I, he's going to start when Calvo's on Costa Rica duty. Uh, that's possible. I mean, for me, it just it feels a bit like last year when Jeb Brovsky had to slide over to right back out of central midfield. It's not necessarily that Calvo can't play left back. It's that you're weakening another area that has looked strong. I like the pairing of Calvo and Demidov um, in a lot of ways. And I mean, I was at a media day yesterday um, and I'll, I'll, you, you'll see kind of the comments I got from it throughout the next week or two. But uh, the two of them have a great rapport. Like when I'm talking to Demidov, Calvo is just, you know, making bunny ears behind Demidov and shouting El Capitan. And uh, they have a really good camaraderie on and off the field already. And uh, in a center back pairing, this is something you see a lot with the U.S. men's national team. If that center back pairing doesn't make sense, not just on the field, but doesn't seem to have the chemistry um, and the knowledge of what the other one's thinking and doing, everything falls to shit really quickly. And so I, I, I don't necessarily want to break up a center back pairing, which in my opinion is one of the most important concepts of any team that's running a four-man back line. I, I, th- I think I like those. I like the two in, in back too. I like Kava and Demidov together. Uh, to me, what the point I'm trying to make is that we have uh, more options than I thought we did. Before Portland, I would have definitely agreed. We, we clearly need more reinforcement in that area. After Portland, I think that I've been so impressed with the way that the quote-unquote reserves on the roster have stepped up, I am much more confident in the depth that we have. And I think that we can afford to be a little bit more selective. I don't think it needs to be a panic signing well, of a left Well, let's back. talk about Minnesota being selective with their depth then, because one player that we didn't see during the <laughs> first part of the preseason here was Femi Hollinger Jensen, um, mm. former loon Femi, uh, who was then traded to... Former loon hero. And, oh and legend, go legend. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I think that you will see his number eighty-eight retired, um, forevermore. I actually, that's a, that's a prediction I'm willing to make. I don't think you'll see another loon wear eighty-eight for quite a while, whether it's Femi or otherwise. Femi at Nella, we're putting together the, the, the Chris Duval, the yeah, Chris Duval, yeah. the, the <laughs> loon legends who never uh, actually played for us. Uh, best eleven. So. And uh, yeah, so Femi was traded to his former club. Well. Is it? Can you really say it was his former club if he never played a game even preseason for the other one? Anyway, uh, traded back to New England for Bobby Jesus Shuttleworth, um, goalkeeper who started in MLS Cup 20. Wow, what year was that? Was that 14 that they made Cup? Yeah, uh, against the Los Angeles Galaxy. Um, he's started the majority of the last two seasons since. He was available, though, and I think this is the noteworthy thing. He was available in the expansion draft in Minnesota, drafted Femi over. Wes? Can I... Can I- tell you what i am pretty sure this this was about hit it i haven't told I have you this yet too i uh, know i ha- i i maybe we have the same uh, theory you go well first. i this is this is what what happened so femi was taken as hostage to try to get teal bunbury teal bunbury that didn't come about and then they were like well what can we get for him because we obviously don't need an attacker here and then they were like how about a can of you know, crisps and, uh, you know, Mrs. Buttersworth. I think they and should have gotten some clam chowder out of this, too. Clam chowder would have been good because crisps, I mean, 
Well, I guess Heath really likes crisps, probably. He must, yeah. So um, anyway, I, I, it, it puts us in this situation where you have a 34-year-old keeper, you've got a 29-year-old keeper and a 28-year-old keeper, and then you've got, a, we haven't signed Farrell yet, have Not we? Not yet, no. The the uh, draftee. Um, and it, Marco Carducci is still on trial. The club it, released a video today of the preseason in Orlando, uh, and Carducci is in the video. So wow. he's still there. I know, and, and the, uh, we should say Alex Schieferdecker's uh, dream boy, uh, you know, dream, dream, uh, Marco Carducci. It, it is, a, it's a very weird situation. I don't know why you need, uh, diehards, John McClain and, uh, Mrs. Buttersworth when you, you know, it makes sense to have a really solid backup because Alfie may not stick around. You only have him on a six month loan and he may turn out to be a dud or maybe he doesn't like being here and he wants to go home. Right. Um, so it makes sense having having if he's gone, you want two real uh, players there. But it, 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 I don't know. I, I don't. Neither should, Buttersworth is not someone I would want um, as my. I don't think he's a good number one option. So I feel bad. I've never met the guy. I'm, I'm talking about him, but he was basically going to be the number three in in New England this year. So it doesn't quite make sense. Right. And the guys ahead of him are Cody Cropper, who trialed or trained with us all summer. Presumably we could have signed him then. And Brad Knighton, who was also available in the expansion draft. So Um, two, two, like we've, in a span of a couple months, we have reversed course basically on, on this player who we previously you know, two guys who are presumably better than this goalkeeper we, we, we had a chance to get, didn't get them, and now we're getting this guy. Well, what I will say, though, it's, I mean, it's, it's a messy situation. It's not one that I'm going to, like, talk about for long here, but um, there's reason to think that uh, Bogie is back in Sweden right now sorting out some things with his visa. Um, he was not He was not back with the club in Minnesota after the Portland trip for their media day. He was not um, on the first flight that I heard about to Orlando. And so I think part of this is also if it's going to be another week and if they don't think he has enough reps once he comes back before the season, if he does get back, um, Shuttlesworth has started many more games than McLean and Farrell, certainly. So he would be ready to go for week one. So this is totally news to me. Um, so I'm, I'm really, now I'm really curious, uh, what, I don't know where you got this, but, um, is he, uh, is, is this a big problem? It was a chef in Sweden. Sweden. He told me about it and I okay. had to keep um, it. No, I, well, so are, are, are you worried that he will, that things will fall through? Is it because of, uh, oh, I, I guarantee Donald Trump is, uh, is, is, Considering not letting anyone come in from Sweden from after Sweden. the after the, the great tragedy. Sweden tragedy, yeah, maybe that was the Swedish tragedy. Uh, you know what? I will I'm going to get some more emails this week. I know we will get like 50 of them. I will Stick say, to maybe we should call the Ask a Swede line right now and ask what's going on with that. Do you know uh, uh, Alf, Alf, Alfie? You know, <laughs> be like Alfie, and then he'll get on the phone. But no, um. Is it something that I'm worried about? I know nothing about the visa process, and I won't pretend to speculate on it. What I will say, though, is this trade does, to me, 
the reason you make this trade for a young striker that I'm sure five or six other MLS clubs would have loved to have and given you fullback depth, for example, the reason you make this specific trade is because you can get a goalkeeper who has a lot of starting experience and isn't over the hill so that you could plug him in for the first couple of weeks if something's going wrong. So it does explain the trade to me if that is really the case. It's like a bad... I don't think it's a good trade, and I think mainly... I get why Femi goes back to New England. He was going to have difficulty finding time here. They value him a lot. I get it. Good. I'm really happy for him. But it's more what we got in return. But So I don't think it's a great trade, but at the same time, we did get a goalkeeper with over 100 MLS caps, and now we have lots of experienced goalkeepers on our roster. So I'm not complaining. Let's close out the Minnesota United section with probably the biggest news nationally for Minnesota United this week, which is that their kits were finally revealed. We don't have to talk about the kits uh, and what they'll look like in theory anymore. We know what they will be. Um, I, I'm not going to like try to describe them to you because you can find a picture by the time I finish this sentence. But um, basically, gray with blue sash primaries, and then the secondaries will be white with gray sash. Yeah, he you described think... them anyway. <laughs> so it's a departure <laughs> from... Any of the kit schemes of the last few years, um, I don't know. Do you have any takes on the the kits? I personally don't really care. Uh, They're not bad, so great. That's that's the that's one of the the primary thing. I, I, you know, um, one of our uh, our editors and writers, uh, Kate Sophia, uh, put out the the theory in our in our Slack when we were talking about this um, that uh, men tend to evaluate these kits based on would I wear that and buy it? And because these kits are not typically made, like they don't fit women very well, that she was like, I don't, when I look at them, I don't think about that in, in, in it at all. That's, I look, I think about what, what's the team going to look like out there. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a, a really funny theory. Um, uh, I, yeah, I I think that they they were fine. The kit event I- itself was um was pretty pretty cool. It was in a big warehouse. The the event the programming to it was pretty short. Um people they did this short thing, then people kind of left quickly and went to their respective bars, yeah. Yeah, I I had a good time sticking around, talked to people. I I, I chatted with Kevin Venegas for a little bit afterwards and and some other people and Oh, name drop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yo, me and Viva just uh, shot the <laughs> it's one couple of, the, of brews. I think it's the longest conversation Viva and I have ever had. So, um, I, I thought it was a, a fun event. It was good to see. I saw a coworker there. Um, Whoa, name drop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought it was a good event. The, it was very funny when they dropped too much smoke oh and all God. the players were up there. And I, I like looked around. And was My like, apps- guys. This is a spinal spinal tap Stonehenge moment. My absolute highlight was the fact that they literally played Sandstorm as the kits were being revealed, and we were standing towards the back of the crowd with some of the the dark clouds, and um, all of a sudden, Finnish techno icon Darude's sweet opus Sandstorm starts non-ironic. I was thinking it was going to be like a little bit of it, and I'm going to be like ha ha ha, and then they would start playing like I don't know Bangarang or something. Nope. <laughs> Nope, we got sandstorm, and then we got an actual like smoke storm. Yeah, for probably about forty-five minutes, it was unreal. Alex, uh, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on on the the launch or, or the the kits at all. Um, I, what I loved about watching the launch on stream was that the kits were immediately visible when the curtain went up or or whatever happened. Um, 
and then the smoke came. So I saw the kits very clearly. And then the, the guy controlling the smoke machine was like, oh crap, you know, gotta, gotta conceal it. And then it was this overkill of smoke, and then it took a very long time to clear. Um, no, I like the kits too. I think that they are unique, um, and that given the fact that, and we should say this because there's been a lot of confusion about this, um, because it takes so long for Adidas to make a kit, Minnesota for the first for this season and maybe the next one will be going with kind of off the rack designs. Um, so this sash design is, is not obviously custom. Um, the colors are, but, but the design is not. Um, my biggest fear was because of that being off the rack that we would get really, really boring kits. Um, that fear did not pan out. I think that they took a risk, um, with the, the primary, and that's exciting to me. I like it. I think it looks so much better as well in natural light. Um, the first couple shots we saw of it were sort of in amber, amber tones, and it looked almost brown. Um, it looks so much better in the in the shots that the club has been been posting of 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 the sort of uh, of the kit kit out and uh, just wandering the streets of Minneapolis, St. Paul. So I, I really like it. I think that the the secondary is pretty boring. I'm, I'll look forward to being replaced next year. Yeah, but. it is. It is pretty boring. But oh, and yeah. the goalkeeper kit is beautiful. I know that's league standard. That, but that color is exactly the color of the sash, and the fact that it's got a giant bullseye in the center of the goalkeeper's chest is priceless. I do like that it is just the bullseye. It doesn't say target. I think that is so great. I, I, I yeah. absolutely love. Target could have easily gone in and been like, "We want to put the target name there," but. In that red, was very, yeah. very good. Um, so uh, lastly, let's just say that Toronto uh, team plays Toronto FC on Wednesday and San Antonio uh, FC over the weekend, um, which is a huge rivalry. Just kidding. Um, but the, the Toronto <laughs> FC game, we still don't know if it's going to be streamed. Um, there are fans in Florida who are trying to figure out if they can go to the game, uh, and they don't know. I, I tried to talk to the team about it. Uh, last week and this week and have heard nothing, and that's pretty disappointing. Well, the only thing I'll say is that a lot of these preseason matches trend more towards scrimmages than friendlies, Um, and so, I mean, it's costs. You know, streaming the Portland tournament costs something for Portland, and for uh, kind of scattered all over this kind of Florida region, because I don't think it's all just at one place in Orlando, you know, that's a lot of overhead, so I would understand if they weren't going to stream these, but hopefully someone, you know, pulls out their phone and periscopes the entire thing, like that uh, Fort Lauderdale Strikers Open Cup match last year that went over to PKs, and you could tell that the person's arm was about as tired as PC running down the left side. I think it's more just... If you know that this, you, you had the Portland uh, tournament, and you knew you you knew you had the infrastructure to to televise it or to stream it. If you're doing this, you can plan that well enough in advance and just say, "Hey, this is going to be closed. We want to get ready, and then do other things." That that. But the problem, I think, is the uncertainty, um, and the uh, of not knowing. But let's uh, take a break. Let's take we'll, a break. We'll come back. Yeah. We've got lots of Twitter questions. Welcome back to the 551 podcast. My name is Wes Burdine. I am on Twitter at MNNiceFC, and you can email 
uh, West Burdine at 55 55.1. 55 um, I love uh, love giving getting lots of emails, especially if they're from uh, one random person creating fake email accounts to tell me to not be political. <laughs> um, uh, Jeff, uh, you're at Jeff Ruder. Uh, Chief, where are you on Twitter? At Alex Chief. Okay, great. You right. guys, you guys have simple ones. Great. So there we go. Let's uh, let's go ahead and start with Steve Brandt's question at Yellow Card SCB. I think he's a fan of early two thousands kind of uh, pop punk bands that have um, fiddles in them. Oh, yeah, I was fiddles. Bad Don't music. at me, Yellow Card. Um, yeah. What is the square root of pro rel? Hit it. Well, this is a this is a very complicated mathematical equation, but the square root of any variable is expressed as a radical. Uh, and in this special uh, equation, the square root of pro rel actually comes out to be an irrational number. Ooh. <laughs> I don't actually understand those words. Uh, Brian Hamp <laughs> says, so they're giving scarves away and tickets over the weekend, and today, too little or just to start? Uh, this does get us to, there, there was a, a, so after the kit launch, next day, all, all weekend, you saw the mannequin, the well-endowed mannequin. <laughs> Uh, showing up and giving uh, in in various places, I wish they would show up at random dive bars in Midway. God, that would be, be amazing. If, if that, if basically the mannequin <laughs> just showed up at Trend Bar and to see what, how quickly it would be uh, just dismantled and and you know attacked. Um, That'd be great. Um, is it too little, too late? I don't think I. It's great. I'm glad it's that they're doing things. And uh, the thing is, how do you market a club when you don't have like jerseys or merchandise that people can latch onto? As far as the actual visual, like go out into the public and find, I don't know, uh, Justin Davis and his warmups taking a jog or you know, like there's only so much that you can really do until you actually have the product. They have the kits now and they're pushing it full steam ahead. So I think over the next two weeks, I think you're going to see a lot more. Um, than just the, the scarf pop-ups, which I do think, by the way, um, have been nice. I'll be curious to see how far they kind of out- reach out um, into Minnesota with those pop-ups. I don't know. Alex, do you have any thoughts on the weekend? Right. Well, I really hope that they go to Rochester. I hope they go to Duluth. Um, I think those would be uh, a really good start. Um, and, and, and no, it's not. It's it's like it's great that they're going out. I think it's really exciting. Um, and, and they also, it's two weeks until the season starts, but it's three weeks until the home opener. So they've got a little bit more time, uh, than, than people have sometimes made out. I think it, it, my, my comments last week were largely of wondering if, uh, this would, if, since I can recite at least half of the expansion teams, what they, what they did, um, to, to their lead ups. I wonder if there's any overarching larger plan other than these pop-ups. The pop-ups are nice. All these things are nice. I don't know if there's a larger plan. Maybe that's fine. I don't know. Um, this is from Kate Sophia. Number one, she's it's a multi-part question. Number one, why? Number two, how? Number three, when? And number four, what? Wait, who? Where? All right, and then the next question comes from uh, Left Shark Nelson at Looney Trumpeter MN, who asks, "What is the number one thing Minnesota United? There are periods in between all these. United needs to do before the season begins, 
What's the number one thing? Um, we've Sign got, a left back. Well, we've got another fullback. Fullback. I don't know. I think that was me trying to be... A, You're trying to fit in with Alfie. Yeah, I'm trying to fit in. And uh, so we've got another fullback coming. We've got goalkeeper depth out the ass. We've got uh, five players going for three spots. So we've pick, got pick something. What's the one thing? Alex? <laughs> I, I think it's more on the marketing side. More marketing. Okay. I think that we need an official... You know how, like, in the 70s, every sports team got their own theme song that was sang by, like, a disco group? So you had, like, the San Diego Superchargers, and then we had the We're Gonna Win Twins. like, Philadelphia's Doop, 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 Doop? I want, like, older... No, we have Sandstorm by Darude as far as Doop goes. But I think, yeah, I want, like, a 70s disco anthem to lead Minnesota United onto the field for way too many years. The Wild have a song... It's got to, it's something like that. I agree. That's a that's a much better answer than what I gave. We need a song. I think that's a good answer. Okay, let me let me go off of what you said though, Alex. And and uh, um, Andy Grader wrote for the Pioneer Press that the team is is really hoping for thirty five thousand people at their home opener. They think that the way things are are, are looking. Um, can I ask? Do you? I asked this to two people today, and they gave me exact opposite answers. One was that. Um, they would be excited if that was the number, and the other was that is not good enough. What do you two say? I think that would be a success, um, but I think that we should always be be rooting for more. I don't know. We should be trying to trying to do better than that. But I think that's definitely a success. Thirty five thousand would not be a failure, but it would be no a uh, okay. Yeah, I, I think anything over thirty thirty two thousand, I'd be like, yeah, good. So um, that's kind of the, the ballpark that I have in my head. Um, at Goldfish Fibers asks, how many feet of fingering weight string per strand do I need to make this bag without joins later? Uh, Alex, this is right up your alley. Yeah, I have no idea. Seven is the answer. Seven <laughs> feet, obviously. Uh, Over the Loon says, is Minnesota United color identity black, blue, gray, blue, black, gray? My question, this is the question I asked earlier today on Twitter, and it got put back to me. This is, it's it's not necessarily, I wasn't trying to take a dig at the kits, but the kits are, the primary used to be black and gray. Um, the the song, uh, as far as the, the, the supporters groups go, is Minnesota Black and Blue. I'm wondering what what are the colors of the, the team? Because now it's gray and blue. I feel like at one point I'd heard that they didn't want just a two or three color palette to work off of. They liked the idea of having five or six that they could draw from any given year as far as... and Realistically, I mean, you could say that they had five in their color scheme in last year's jerseys. You have black, you have gray, you have blue, you have red with the eye and then they used to have it on the buttons and then it's i mean it's part of the crest and then you have i think i forgot white um with the alternates so they've never really been a club that likes we're gonna have two we're gonna be the the cobalt and uh oh, what's the other player thank you um for rsl you know like they, they, they weren't necessarily married to the idea that you need two or three colors so it doesn't surprise me that they left it but i think i still identify them as black and blue but that's just because that's what the dark clouds sing doesn't bother me much. I mean, I mean, the kit, the Admiral kits before the Inario ones were gray and black, so we've we're sort of back to the to the gray, to the lighter gray as a baseline for the kit. And I think that I I loved the Inario kits we had, but they weren't. It wasn't really black. It was sort of two shades of gray. 
Um, so, uh, and then we had the the blue um, the blue uh, secondaries. So I kind of think that I think we're still as long as we're still in this sort of uh, shades of gray and fifty shades of gray and uh, no, I was going to say light blue. I got it in there before someone else said it. I was going to say light blue sort of zone. I think we're we're pretty on brand still. Yeah, two shades of gray was the flip book, right? <laughs> I, yeah, for for me, I, I just I think that having a a recognizable brand is important, a recognizable mark, and having a having a way. When I dress for a game, uh, I'll either you know, or, or when you think about the colors most associated with the team, it is that black, dark gray, light blue. Um, that's the way it fits in with uh, the way Dark Clouds, TNE dressed in all black and gray. Um, I particularly love the the powder blue away kit from previously. I I don't know. So that that is my question. I think that. I think over the coming years, they do need to establish what they are. Every, literally every other team has a recognizable uh, visual brand like that. And sure. I think that that's important. Um, ben Lindblad says, is Minnesota United FC player acquisition strategy all actually just a very expensive game of risk? Someone explain this comment to me. I, I think nothing. that we have put too many forces in Scandinavia and I think that we have not done a good enough job of fortifying Iceland and I think that protecting Kamchatka is going to be pretty crucial uh, and I'm also looking for uh, more expansion into uh, South America. But weren't you the one who was looking to conquer all of Scandinavia before anywhere else and on we, your we roster We get the too? three reinforcement points for, for Scandinavia, so... That's true. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's something that you can really use to build up your South American contingency. I'm particularly yeah. a start in Australia and get those, secure that. Cause oh, it's definitely face. start that's in Australia. my strategy, too, and I have a very poor winning record in risk. Yeah, no, I... Uh, or South America. <laughs> if someone else beats me to Australia, I will take South America because... I, Africa, for whatever reason, get bombarded by both sides of the ocean and the north. Yeah, Africa's not a good thing to hold. It's too easy to attack. Finally, uh, Jake Watroba, who has the best brunch in Minneapolis-St. Paul? That would be the Neighborhood Cafe off of Selby and Snelling. Oh. All right, I got two more to add. Okay. Hazel's Northeast yes. and the Buttered Tin. Okay. okay. I've never been to Buttered Tin. Hazel, Hazel's Northeast is really good. You should go to the butter tin. Um, I will add uh, Muddy Waters is a very good one. Um, I think Brasa has a good change of pace because um, it's not just greasy spoon type, uh, you know, basic br- brunch there. Um, what else? Uh, there was another one that came that was I was going to go with, but I, I can't quite remember it. So I'll just I'll just go with those. You'll two. just go eat there this weekend and not tell us. I will. Uh, no, I've. Probably not. Um, so that's it. That's it. That's show. Uh, thank you, everyone. Um, we'll see you on the website this week. Thank you, Alex. Uh, good to chat with you, Jeff. Uh, thank you. Uh, we will back be back next week. We have a special, special, special guest um, to preview because it's going to be time for the season. So we are going to preview the season, and um, you know, uh, it's going to be a good time. So thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>